Welcome to the G3 Podcast. I'm here with Josh Bice and Scott Annual. How'd you like that? I loved it, man. Good, That's good. Wonderful. <laughs> One of these days, we're going to have a montage of all the openings of Virgil Walker on the G3 Podcast. <laughs> we are excited to join you today for this episode of the G3 Podcast. A lot of great content that we want to share with you, um, in particular with regard to the subject matter that we're going to cover today. Um, we're going to be talking about education. I mean, there's a big uh, debate going on right now about the importance of public education, public schools, uh, private schools, homeschool. Uh, whenever you talk about uh, issues regarding kids and their education, it just the, the, the intensity of the conversation mm -hmm. just begins to crank up. And, and I know a lot of it has to do with, the, with how, how concerned we are for our kids and what they're learning in, in public settings, uh, even in private settings. Uh, so today we're going to have that conversation, talk about the issues of the day. Uh, we're going to tee it off with, with Josh and, and, and kind of walk us through maybe, maybe some of the issues that brought this to the fore to begin with. Yeah, so, uh, but before we do, are we going to talk about the, the upcoming conference? Not yet, but we, not, will. Well, yeah. we will. Yeah, we are. Yes. Okay, all right. Well, we want to keep right. people in suspense. Yeah. yeah, well. They don't know we have a conference coming up. Yeah. And, yeah. So they'll, they'll find out soon. But we will. I'll, I'll make sure of it. I'll yeah, make sure. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Good. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, with all of the, the, you know, debate that's raging around this, this topic, this is really not a, a new debate. Right. You know, and, it's you, not. and we come to this conversation today, all three of us as having thought about this subject for many years. Mm -hmm. In fact, all of us have, you know, a history of home education. Mm -hmm, right. This is not something that we're just like Johnny come lately to the conversation and yet, at the same time, we are not seeking to misrepresent anyone's positions. Right, in right. fact, what we want to do in this conversation is actually represent the opposing position effectively right, and, rightly, and, and, accurately. and clearly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, as we think about this, um, again, we, we've been, you know, hearing this debate rage for many years, you know, wh whether or not, it, you know, the the Christian home should be distinct from a secular home mm -hmm. and whether or not we should, you know, be committed to home education from a Christian worldview. Um, we will talk about, you know, a biblical foundation for that position. Um, but as we, as we think about this conversation and the debate that's happening, we're going to talk about the most recent conversation that happened, sparked from the TGC mm -hmm. good faith debates. Um, over this very issue where Jen Wilkin took the position of being uh, an advocate for public school and secular education. Right. But really, let's talk about the history of education in America. Uh, public school education really started in about 1870. Mm -hmm. And the foundation from the beginning was really secular humanism. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so it, it doesn't start off well. Right. And yet, if you look at, say, 1870 as, as the beginning, what you see is even as, as far off as, say, the year 1900, you still had about two-thirds of Christian homes that were very much committed to educating their children at home, mm -hmm. or at least some variety of, like, you know, private education connected to the, to the local church. Right. But it, it's without... Uh, it, you know, it, it's without any doubt whatsoever, as we look at the history of this debate, that the church actually opposed yes, the public yes, school education right. from, yes, the beginning. from the yeah. beginning. I, I think it's it's really important to start there because yeah. people think that the whole idea of public education in our country 
they either think it was neutral or they think it was always oh, originally ex- explicitly Christian. Right, right. When in reality, Horace Mann, the father of American public education in the in the 1870s, pushed for pup free public education with the express purpose mm-hmm. of removing any Christian influences right. from education, right. whether that be more of a reformed. Uh, influence kind of from the the heritage of the Puritan schools in America right. because there had been schools, but you know remember the Puritans had sort of a a theocratic state and goal, and so right. those were distinctly Christian schools. Right. He wanted to remove that. He wanted to remove any any even Catholicism from the schools. There was a distinct, like you said, secular humanist foundation. Mm-hmm in the very founding of the American public schools, get these kids out of the influence of their parents, right. out of the influence of their homes, and and educate them in ways that are removed from any Christian the- theology or doctrinal yeah. The thought process behind that is is that sec- the secular worldview is an, is a neutral worldview. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's the foundational beginning. So yeah. the thought is if, if I can take, if, if, if we can take kids out of a, a religious formal education, and, and allow them to have some secularization that that would that would give them a kind of a benchmark a, a baseline mm-hmm. so to speak and that's yeah. what that's what they that's what they were advocating yeah absolutely and if you just look as a, you know j- 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 just as an example if you think about uh, you know the, the way that the trajectory if you will of say uh, educational institutions the university system mm-hmm. if you look at how uh, say Harvard began and you look at other institutions, they start off in a conservative mm-hmm. position, but they there's always a pull to the left. Right. It is not neutral. Right. Uh, so there is an absolute you know agenda to pull the institution to the left, and and we need to understand that from the beginning. And and I also think you know Scott, it, it's critically important to this conversation as we begin today to to think back to the the foundation of the public school education system. You know as we've discussed here. But it's also important to think about the Constitution of the United States of America, because oftentimes you have people that will ask questions like, well, well, you know, is it legal to right. actually educate your children <laughs> at home? Well, the fact of the matter is simply this. According to the Constitution of the United States of America, the U.S. government has no authority over the sphere of education mm-hmm. and, and specifically our own children. Right, right. So this idea that we have to ask permission right. from Caesar yep. to actually educate our That's children is, is, is a tragic reality yeah. that we're facing. I agree completely with that. And even further back from that, the, the Bible itself, which I know we're, we're, we'll get to Scripture more in a moment— but the Bible itself never gives government that authority. Right. The role of education is 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 the responsibility of parents, parents. Yeah. and and for us as Christians, we ought to see it as a responsibility yep. of uh, of you know Christians and churches and, and families. Yeah. Uh, but that you know even you mentioned the the leftist pull of education, so true. And I think one of the reasons that often happens is because, like you mentioned, Virgil, we have this assumption. Yes. That education is neutral, right? And so our guard is not up, right? We we think, well, math, science, reading, writing, arithmetic—how can there be any religious or non-religious implications to those subjects? When in reality, th- there absolutely are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even the ideas of what education is, what we are doing when we educate children—we're talking about you know children here, but even all the way up to higher education. Mm-hmm. 
what we are doing, every element of every quote-unquote subject, uh, shapes worldview, yes. influences the way that we view the world, the way that we think. Yes. And so, yes, even something like math, even teaching writing, even certainly history and science all have religious implications. Mm-hmm. And if we don't recognize that, then our guard is not up. Right. Yeah. We think that it's neutral. Yeah. And because of the depravity of the human heart mm-hmm. yep. and the depravity of, of collective human hearts, what we call culture, there's always going to be a, a leftward yeah. anti-biblical drift yeah. if our guard is not up. Absolutely. Yeah. And then to that point of neutrality and the lack thereof, uh, we need to also be mindful of the fact that, you know, when we have these conversations with Christian parents, I think sometimes they'll be, you know, I think they mean well, but they'll say things like, well, you know, we send our kids to the public school, but... You know, we talk about these things when we get home, and we're going to try to really take seriously this commitment to educating our children and basically undoing what's happening in, you know, the average school day. Mm-hmm. The problem is when you when you just do the math, uh, you know, again, from K to 12, you have about 14,000 hours that they're spending in the seats in a right. classroom right. in the public school system. Mm-hmm. Then you just survey the average Christian's day, the routine. Mm-hmm. You know, you come home, you know, the, the children come home, that uh, school gets out about 3 or 3.30 every day. They make it home after some, you know, activities or whatever else. And then, you know, they have homework. Mm-hmm. Well, here's one good question. Why is there so much homework if they're spending so much time at school? Right. right? right. Yes. right. So, uh, and then once they do the homework, of course, they've already been to maybe some practices mm-hmm. because of athletics, and then you have a meal together at some point, and then you have television and phones and video games, and then you, you know, if you're a committed Christian family, you're going to probably attempt at some level family worship. Well, now it's already, by this time, mm-hmm. if you just do your math, yeah. it's probably about 9, nine o'clock, o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Right. And now it's going to be time to start educating your children. Right, right, right. right. When in, in, in compar- the math just doesn't the ma- work. The math doesn't yeah. work. And in fact, that was the, that was the epiphany that that I came to as we were uh, shepherding our kids through the educational process. Uh, for us as a family, and, and I thought about that. I'd, I'd read uh, Vody Bauckham's uh, book, uh, um, Family Driven Faith. Faith. Yeah. And uh, and in that book, he unpacked. You know, they're they're anywhere between fourteen to sixteen thousand seat hours in a classroom from K through twelve, and that's your kids' you know day. That's that's how they're being discipled in a secular worldview, uh, a, a worldview in in most instances that that is completely antithetical to the biblical worldview that we're trying to provide for them. Mm-hmm. Um, his charge was that for us as believers to think that uh, that we're going to be able to do what what the school undo what the school system has done in that time is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and, and he also has made comparisons, voties uh, uh, made comparisons uh, to what we, what we think about it as it relates to uh, youth, youth groups and yeah. churches. Uh, that, that, that's a difficult, you know, process to think that, oh, I'm going to send them to an hour uh, a week of, of church camp or of, of, of a church event, uh, and that will be sufficient in, in comparison. I, I just ended up coming to the conclusion as a parent uh, when I understood that, A, the secular worldview is not neutral. And B, that I had a desire to ensure that my kids had a biblical worldview because it is God who created the world. Uh, It it is his view that we should have about all things mathematically from a standpoint of reading and science and every facet of education. So for us, I again, the conclusion landed on this. I felt better about my ability 
to train my kids than I did sending them off to public school. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, my thought was, and, and we as parents, we, you know, we did our best to try to get up to speed on the educational process, what we need to do, what we need to teach, how we need to teach them, all of that. But for us, my, my, I came to the, the, the final conclusion of me doing a poor job of educating them is better than the, than the school system doing a <laughs> great job mm-hmm. educating them. Because that, that dichotomy will have them off in an area that will have them far away from God. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas at least the, the intention of our heart would be that what we're teaching and training and showing them uh, steers their heart toward God. Right. I yeah. agree with you completely. Our concern is for the salvation and discipleship of our children. Absolutely. And education is discipleship, whether we like it or not. But So I agree with you completely, but let's, let's address an objection that is raised to this, which was raised in this TGC good faith mm-hmm. debate by Jen Wilkins, and that is you ought not to be thinking just of your own children. You ought to be thinking about the other children. And if we pull out of public school and pull our children out of public school, then we're not really uh, – uh, we're not – you know, we're, we're – Raising our own interests right. above the interests of others, right. you know, quoting there from Philippians explicitly. Uh, so how how would we how would we respond to that particular argument that was raised, which yeah. is which is a very common argument. It is. It is. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, in the in in the debate um, which she's having there uh, on on the TGC platform, um, she is she is taking that position mm-hmm. of being an advocate for. The public school system, and she gives the whole biography of her family and her uh, all the public educators, public school educators that are in her family, and and you know how um, she's pushing back against you know this false caricature of the public school system. And let's just be honest. I mean, yes, I mean there can be sure. false information that's spread around on you know social media. I sure. mean, that's not a new thing, right? Mm-hmm. But the reality is she never really comes to the issue of dealing with the, the real problems that are there. Mm-hmm. But what she does is she pushes back, and I'm just going to read a quote here. She says, the most common phrase I hear thrown out in these conversations is, well, I just need to do what's best for my family. Mm-hmm. And she says, and I think that's something that as Christians we have to push back on. Philippians tells us, each of you should look not just to your own interests, but to the interests of others. There's two specific things in there that I think are critically important to this conversation. First of all, the biblical text. Um, she quotes from Philippians 2.4, which says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Okay. Well, the fact is, um, Paul is writing that, letter to the church in Philippi that was greatly divided because of a controversy, namely between two women. And we don't really know what the controversy was. It would be foolish of us to just spend time speculating. But the reality was it was not a heretical issue. It was something that was a non-essential issue. And so it created all this division in the church. And so Paul is spending this time to unpack and to point the church to being a unified body. Right. And in that very context, which mm-hmm. it, it's it's critically important to interpret the Bible within its context, right? right? right. Immediately thereafter, he, he points to the humility of Christ, Christ and the suffering yep. and the death of Jesus, yep. even the death of the cross. Yep. Have this mind among yourselves. Listen, 
what he's doing there is critically important because he's pointing the church to be, you know, a, a humble people, to be unified in the gospel. Right. And this has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with the debate about whether or not we should engage in public education right. or home education. Right. Right. It has nothing to do with yeah. that. Right. And, and in fact, I would go as far as to say that it's, it's a misuse of that verse. Right. And so that's problem number one. Problem number two comes earlier in the quote when she says, having to do what's best for our family. Right. Well, I would argue two things there. Number one, we have to do what's best for our families, yes. okay? Because right. we're to be good stewards of our family, right. right? I can't make a decision for your family. Right. Can't make a decision for Scott's family. Can't mm-hmm. make a decision for Jen Wilkins' family. I have to make a decision for my family. And in fact, when I stand before the throne of God one day, I'm going to give an account for what my leadership looked like with regard to my family. But we also have to remember this, is that these little children that we're talking about and their education, they belong first and foremost to God. Mm-hmm. And we're to be stewards. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. We're to be good stewards of that. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's the idea, and it, there are two things that hit me when I, when I hear that quote. The first is that we've got this idea of, 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 the, of the collective universe of children, right? This, this kind of village mentality mm-hmm. about, about child rearing that's, that, that, that's not a biblical view. That's a secular view. That's, that's the first, because you just laid out the biblical view, that we have a responsibility for our, how, the training and rearing of our own children. Uh, the, the second thing that that hits me uh, about that is is just the is just the idea that that we as Christians care more should be caring more uh, about these kids than God Himself does, mm. right? It, it pushes back against God's sovereignty in the, in those instances from a standpoint of the education and says, I as a Christian need to care more about these kids than God does, yeah. and I've got to make sure that I'm in the school system taking care of others' children, yeah. as if God is unable to do that on 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 His own based upon His own means. Yeah, I think the the argument fails in so many levels, and the, and the two the two issues that strike me first, you know, there's you hear this all the time. We we need to love our neighbor. We need to be considered, you know, considering right. others. I actually agree with that. That's a biblical sure. principle. And you know who the neighbors that we have most impact on and can lead to the gospel the people most? In our homes. The people in our own homes. Right. 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 We want to lead our children to Christ. But number two, even if we think. Yes, we want to love our neighbors in general. We we care about what happens to other people's families. Sure, sure. Well, you know what one of the best things for other people's families is going to be? Our children reared in the discipline and admonition of the Lord. Right. So they grow to be strong, mature Christians right. who live out their faith in the community and have a positive influence on other people. Absolutely. Throwing them into the den of lions is not going to help culture in general. Yeah. We want to rear our children to know God, to love God, to trust God, to believe in his sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And 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 by the way, Virgil, is there anything that we're doing where parents could bring their kids and learn about the sovereignty of God? You know what? I got a place where they can do that, man. <laughs> great, great, great toss, man. L- love Love this, love this part, brother. Love this part. Listen, we have a conference all about the sovereignty of God coming up. September 21st through the 23rd. You don't want to miss it. Be here. Join us here in Atlanta for, for the conference of conferences, especially in 2023. I just got to lay that gauntlet down. Uh, we're going to have a, a ton of great people here, phenomenal speakers. We're going to be talking about the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. And again, if I start listing 
all of the speakers. We will be here for a while yeah. because we've got 15 speakers now, but I, I promise you that number will come close to doubling before we're through. There's no other place that you're going to be able to come and, and get the, the level of preaching with the with a number of great preachers uh, the, here. You'll get you'll get them here than you will anywhere else. Go to g3men.org and get registered immediately. But it is true. My transition was kind of cheesy, but parents do bring their kids to, to yes, the conference. Yes, and that's they do. A, it's a yeah. really neat yeah. thing to see. Yeah, that's yeah. The, I think that's the difference for us with, with the conference that we have. It's it's not a pastor's conference, though pastors are welcome. Yeah. And it's not a women's conference, though women are more than welcome mm-hmm. to be a, a part of it. But the beauty of, of that that I get to see and enjoy is seeing all those kids and, and families and strollers and mm-hmm. come yeah. Some of them even go so far, they'll bring their blankets and kind of spread out and, <laughs> and, and do their own thing, recognizing that, that most of their littles aren't necessarily going to be you know sitting in a, in a chair. So they'll bring that and spread out and we I've, I've got some big plans for yeah. for families man yeah, I, yeah we, we got well, some you know the the, the <laughs> bice academy we we provide credit you know school credit oh for, nice for, for going to g3 yeah. conference yeah, yeah that'll absolutely. work that'll that's yeah. a good that's a yeah. great idea yeah yeah, yeah. 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 might want to think about that and then and then bring your family bring your kids come on down we look forward to connecting with you then amen yeah. Yeah. amen well yeah. back back to what you were saying scott about yeah. the the whole love your neighbor piece yeah. um i find it really interesting it seems like mm. there's a connection between you know, those who wanted to virtue signal so loudly related to CRT, mm-hmm. intersectionality. Right. And then, of, of course, with COVID, it, it became that the mask right. was the sign. Right. Like, okay, well, you know, I, I'm really going to love my neighbor <clears throat> if I wear a mask. Right. right. And then it became the vaccine. Yes. I'm going to really love my neighbor by getting a vaccine and getting boosted and then boosted and then boosted and then boosted again right. and all of this right. Double, only triple mass only right <laughs> to then find out later that really the most dangerous people out there are those who are actually getting the vaccine right mm-hmm. right in terms of human population yes um, but I, I know that's probably going to spike, you know, something on YouTube and we're going to get canceled for saying that. But the reality it is. is it's the truth. That's the truth. And then here we are with, you know, you know, gun control and, you know, we're going to virtue signal that mm-hmm. because, you know, if you really want to love your neighbor, you'll, you'll hand over your guns to the government. And now it's public school. Mm-hmm. If we really want to love our neighbor, We'll send our children into the secular sphere with a little backpack on and hope everything turns out well. And I don't mean that to be a misrepresentation of even Jen Wilkins' position or someone else, but the reality is if you do the math on that day, it's very difficult to undo all of those seat hours mm-hmm. and to do it according to God's word. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So the, the question is, what does Scripture say, right? Because yeah. that's another common argument you hear. The Bible doesn't talk about education. It's another way of of defending the idea that education, reading, writing, arithmetic, that's just neutral. Mm-hmm. And so the question before us really needs to be, what does the Bible teach? And I think where, where I would start in answering that question is a recognition of the nature of education itself. Mm. Education is discipleship. Mm-hmm. Discipleship is education. In fact, even the words used in Scripture that we translate in English into discipleship, words like paideia and, and in, in the New Testament, encapsulate all of that. Certainly they encapsulate spiritual discipleship, but there's an education component in that as well. It's all wrapped up together. Mm-hmm. Education is not simply 
transmission of neutral data to the mind. It is formation of a life. And that happens even, again, we keep coming back to something like math, certainly the most secular of all disciplines. But even in how something like math is taught, uh, what happens in the classroom, what happens, how the teacher approaches the subject, all of that is is discipling a life. It is impacting worldview. Uh, And Frankly, if math is taught, for example, to use that as an illustration, if math is taught from a purely secularist, humanist standpoint, then we're shaping our children to view the world as if, well, what happens on Sunday in the church, that's religious. Everything else is simply neutral. Right. When in reality, math is what it is because it's rooted in the very orderliness of God that's and good. his universe. Yeah. And to ignore that is to actually disciple our children in an anti-biblical way. Yeah, yeah. that's good. wholeheartedly that's good. agree with that. In fact, if you go as far as to just turn math over to the secular sphere, you end up with something like you know, what Harvard did, you know, in, in recent years by stating that two plus two doesn't necessarily right. equal four. Yeah. Right. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about something as, as simple. And as actually it's just, racist to argue that. Yeah. Right. That's, a, that's I mean, a white man's math. It's unbelievable, right? Right. So I want to just point us to a couple of resources. Um, if we look at um, what's happening in two states, say California and New York, just to use those as an example. Yeah. Um, in the secular sphere of education, um, we, we have what's been called uh, the, the culturally responsive sustaining education framework, so the CRSEF in New York. And I just want to read you some of that CRS framework. It states the following. It says, and you can find this, by the way, on the, the nyse.gov website. Mm. The CRS framework helps educators create student-centered learning environments that affirm racial, linguistic, and cultural identities, prepare students for rigor and independent learning, develop students' abilities to connect across lines of difference, elevate historically marginalized voices, and empower students as agents of social change. Oh my gosh. These are social justice warriors. Well, absolutely, but it's to Scott's point that you can't separate education from discipleship. Right. So the state, if we turn our our children mm-hmm. over to the state, mm-hmm. Caesar will actually disciple our children and use them for his own devious purposes. Yes. Right, right. That that's 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 unbelievable. First of all, the, the segmentation of people groups, right? Rather than coming from a Christian biblical worldview, recognizing that we are all image bearers of God, we are now segmented into our, our preferred groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we're viewed from that framework of, of being marginalized or having a marginalized voice or, or, having, a, or having a voice that, that, that has had a great deal of privilege uh, by which uh, folks have to repent of and, and leverage their privilege for, under, uh, you know, for marginalized groups. This is this is a truth be told that whole framework is diabolical. Yeah, it's diabolical because what it does is it removes God. It sets up government as the authority and the and and government then reorders God's design. Mm -hmm. And then they teach that to children for the next generation. And then they operate totally different. It goes back Mm -hmm. to the very point that, that, that you made. You've given your children over to Caesar 
and you should not be surprised, like Vody says, that they come back as Romans. <laughs> yeah, that's a fantastic uh, quote. And and, mm-hmm. and and then and then thereafter, th- th- those kids come back and they they hate you, mm-hmm. right? They they look at you as as a, as enemy number one, right? Um, and that that's incredibly problematic. Yeah, listen to what else it states on on New York State website on the nyse.d.gov website. It, it goes on to say this. The New York State Education Department has come to understand that the results we seek for all our children, our children, yeah, uh, can never be fully achieved without incorporating an equity and inclusion lens in every facet of our work. Oh my gosh, that, that's unbelievable! Yeah. And so then we wonder why it is that our children come home. After they, you know, go to summer camp and go to youth group and they go to VBS all these years in our local churches, and then they suddenly one day come home and 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 they look like yeah, right. secular humanism and 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 all of these other ideologies have come to play in their heart and right. mind, and it's and it's bearing fruit in their lives, right. and it's a tragedy. Yeah. 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 Now what you're going to hear is, well, that's just liberal New York. That's not central Montana. That's yeah. not Dallas, Texas. But the reality is two things. A, there is some truth to that. And in, in, in a truly federalist system, ideally, you would have different, you know, each state in each district kind of running their own thing. But we all know that the federal government is growing and encroaching in, in its power over everything, mm-hmm. not the least of which is education, because especially leftist politicians know what they're doing and they know the power of education. Yeah. And But as, as you said earlier, Josh, the Constitution does not grant the federal government that power. Scripture itself does not gover- grant government that power. But nevertheless, that is where we are. Yeah. Yeah. Public school ha- is increasingly becoming a federal thing. And what's happening in these labs mm-hmm. of New York and some of these other more liberal states eventually is creeping into yeah. the, the more conservative areas to the degree where the children become what those intentions are intending to produce, yeah. which only increases the th- that kind of ideology even in what today might be more conservative districts or more conservative states. Yeah. If you want to love your neighbor, we don't want that to happen Absolutely. In, Absolutely. in our conservative pockets that still exist within our country. Yeah. I, I, I was in the middle of America in Omaha, Nebraska, and and I, I while there was while I don't believe that anyone would be as bold as to as to publish that kind of language in a in a you know uh, online uh, under the, the undercurrent was those kinds of ideas were percolating as mm-hmm. well. We we yeah. would we would see it in our very conservative <clears throat> schools. When, when I moved to Omaha, you know, like any good family who who is intending at the time to use public education. You're trying to go and find the best schools, the best testing, and all of that. Mm-hmm. So as a family, we we say, okay, here's here's the school system that that that's testing well, that's doing well. Uh, we, we tried it out for a bit, and and we began to see not to the degree that you see it now, but you began to see the 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 LGBTQIA plus mm-hmm. agenda mm-hmm. slipping in, and and it's and it's and it's very silent and quiet and and and, and covert. Uh, flags being placed in specific places in the in the schools and just different things like that to signal to others, hey, we we there's there's an agenda here. Here's yeah. what we're pushing forward. Yeah, and, and even even in you know the m- middle of America, if mm-hmm. you will, in Omaha. Yeah, uh, again, uh, to, to to use Scott's analogy a moment ago, um, uh, you know these labs. So you have mm-hmm. New York. Uh, you know, again, I've I've just quoted you know from their website. But you can also go back to 2016 when California became the first state to mandate LGBTQA plus 
curriculum into their school system. So as early as eight years old, children are learning and reading about family structures where they have either two moms or two dads. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that we hear, you know, well-meaning Christian, you know, families that send their kids to public schools will say things like, well, that doesn't really happen in in my school or in my school district. My school district is different. The reality is, is that every state school district across the United States of America, regardless of how urban or rural or how conservative, they're all governed by the government. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so it's not it's not Christ in a in a Christian worldview that we're talking about right. here. We're talking about we're talking about the government mm-hmm. that's overseeing that curriculum. Yeah. And, and that's dangerous. So we're talking about what does the Bible say? Is the Bible silent on all of this? And obviously the Bible is not silent on all of this. Listen to Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world, and not according to... To Christ, that is our job as fathers and mothers today. I don't know why parents would would think that that there's a different agenda. Like the, there's an agenda at church, and then five days of the week, there's a different agenda that we're supposed to have right. related to our children, their discipleship, their education, uh, and, and 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 things moving forward. I, I I don't understand it. It's incredible to watch. Uh, what happens either in a social media sphere or, uh, you know, online uh, conversations people have in in, in public uh, spaces and places about this. They they are really animated. There was a a question you asked early on, which we got when we after when we made the decision to homeschool, uh, the constant conversation piece was, well, two things. One, how, how are you going to socialize them? Right. As if as if kids needed some kind of, you know, to, uh, a tutoring on how to socialize right. with one another. Uh, and the second thing, the second thing was, you know, what about the what about the the, the, the kids in the public school system? They'll, they'll not be able to benefit uh, from, you know, from your kids being Christian more times than not what we saw. And, and, and we did a we did a hybrid. Uh, we would have we had the first their first formative years were 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 um, homeschool. And then at the end of it. Uh, toward their high school education, particularly our boys, our daughter, all the way through homeschool. Uh, my sons went into the public school system. And when that happened, that's when we saw chaos erupt, mm. absolute chaos erupt in our, in, in our home. Uh, all kinds of ideas, not only, not only ideologies, but behaviors as well, uh, where they were connecting with people that we, you know, we, we, we would prefer them not. So it, it, I say that to simply say, you know, and that can, that can happen in a, in a, in a, in a, in a homeschool system, but man, it definitely much more seemed to happen yeah. uh, as, as they were in a public educational yeah. Uh, framework. So. Yeah, no, that, I think that's a great point, Virgil. Um, it's, it's really good, you know, testimony and to hear about, you know, you, you, your own personal life, yeah. but Look, I went to public school, mm-hmm. all right, all the way through, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and, and you, were good, saw, you were a good kid, though, right? No, not, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is not Oprah. We're not going to start we're talking do that. about Josh's talk Josh life today or <laughs> Dr. Phil or whatever else. But uh, no, I, I wasn't. Um, but, but, but what I will tell you is this idea of, you know, you know, having a social life and your, your children, you know, being well-rounded and mm. capable of articulating ideas sure. and that sort of thing. 
Look, I walked the halls of public school my entire, you know, life in in terms of K through 12. And then again, I I went to a secular university as well. And I saw the hallways littered with and filled with weird kids Mm -hmm. that did not know anything about how to socialize Socialize. properly and sat in, you know, the corners (laughs) and looked at the ground and dressed weird and and didn't know how to communicate properly. And all of that was in the public school. Right, right. So it's not exactly... Uh, th- th- this idea: If you send them to the public school, they're going to come out well round, you know, well rounded, right. able to articulate ideas, right. able to give public speeches, able to <laughs> debate ideas and ideologies. I would actually argue that you can do that best in a in a home education environment right. through the proper lens of a biblical worldview. Absolutely, absolutely. And the bottom line really is biblically: if we if we obey the command that God gives through Paul to bring up our children in the discipline and yeah. instruction of the Lord, then that means we're going we're gonna to be focused on that in every aspect of their lives as children. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you tell the story about going through public school, you know, and so you'll, you'll hear the common response, well, well, look, you know, someone like Josh went through public school and came out the other side and is a good pastor with a strong family, president of G3. I mean, is it possible for someone to go through public school and come out the other side and, and be okay? Well, it's possible, right. but you want to take that risk? Right. I mean, yeah. for every one Josh Bice, how many Christian kids growing mm-hmm. up in Christian yeah. families were dumped into these lion's dens yeah. and came out with no faith yeah. or very, a very weak, immature Christianity? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can find exceptions, and yes, it is possible. But if we take our tasks seriously, right. mm-hmm. what we need is a distinctly Christian approach to yeah. education, yeah. one in which we are discipling our children in the in the instruction of the Lord in every aspect. We're, we're holistically uh, uh, rearing them, which includes, quote-unquote, socialization, right. which you can do when you bring families into your home and right. you're at church and you're involving your kids in, with other kids mm-hmm. in, in the context of your local church or even your community. Right. Yeah. You're doing so with intentionality. You're not just throwing them into this environment where they're being impacted by so much anti-biblical ideology. When you mention that, I think about the idea of the, the socialization of kids. Kids, are, they're, they're all grouped by age, mm-hmm. right? So I, I don't know what a, what a 13-year-old is going to learn from another 13-year-old. Right, exactly. Right? I mean, how, how does that, how, unless it's something bad, it, that, that's a, especially boys, that's a whole nother mix, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. the, the idea that, that this, this age-segregated approach is, 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 is normative, Right. We've gotten used to that. We've well, grown accustomed to that. And it also has come to affect the church yeah. and how yes. we do discipleship in the life of the church, which yes. is also tragic. Yes. Titus 2 is in the Bible for a reason. Yes. Right. We need older people training younger people. Yes. You don't just stick a, a whole bunch of you know, 13 and 14 year olds in a room and then hope that it's all going to work hope out for the well. best. Right. Right. It, right. It's not a coincidence that men like Horace Mann, John Dewey, these founders of education in, in the States are also the other thing they're most well known for is being the founder of pragmatism. Mm-hmm. Right. They approach education from a very pragmatic standpoint, taking sort of industrial principles you know, how you build a car car on a conveyor belt and applying it to education where you segment, these are just little robots and we put them through this system and they come out the other end, these, you know, educated, educated individuals. When again, in reality, if we're going to, if we're going to define education biblically, it's not robots on a conveyor belt. It is human beings, each one that is different, 
who knows the children best, their parents, within the context of their homes and their local churches, seeking to lead these children to Christ and rear them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Yeah, one last thing I would like to ask, you know, again, in, in this conversation would be, what would happen? Again, back to Jen Wilkin and her, her, you know, being an advocate for the public school system, suggesting that if we truly love our communities and if we truly love our neighbors, that we would invest in the local schools and we would send our children there. What would happen if all of the Christians pulled their children out of the public schools? Mm-hmm. What would what would be the result of that? Mm-hmm. Would it be something that would help our nation or would it be something that hurt our nation? Right. Yeah, I, it would help our nation. I, I, yeah, I, and how would it help our yeah, nation? I, I, th- I think in a number of ways. One, kids would then be strengthened to know what they believe, why they believe it. They'll be equipped by parents who care for them to stand up for what they believe. Uh, the, the other, the other thing too is we, as as parents, there there needs to be a different view about evangelism. Right, the the idea that you're going to send your kid to some secular school system and hope for the best, believing that that he or she is going to change that environment unarmed, ill-equipped with gospel proclamation and an understanding of a biblical worldview is, I mean, that, that, that that's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. So, so it, it, it places the, the onus that w- where it should be, which is on parents to talk with other parents, to have them interacting and, and having gospel conversations that transform the heart. Those are the kinds of things that should be happening. Parents yeah. shouldn't send their kids off with the, and hope for the best. Yeah. They should be willing to get into the fray with other people yeah. that they don't, that don't, that potentially don't know the gospel. Yeah. I think if every Christian home across the United States pulled their their children out of the public school system, I don't think by numbers that the public school system could survive. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm. and then you you put the responsibility of education back where it should be on the parents. Yes. Mm-hmm. But then what do you do with say the unbelieving families? Well, they would have to come up with resources, and then you, you can start to put the emphasis of education on Christian homes and the church yes. of Jesus Christ. Yes. And we can provide, again, private school options and opportunities to educate children according to God's Word. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it would be a help to this nation, it and it would not hurt this nation. Yeah, yeah it'd be a tremendous help. Yeah. Anything you want to add before we wrap no, things up? No, re- agree completely. We yeah. need to recover this uh, this vision. And we've talked a lot about you know, the public school system and children. But as I mentioned earlier, this applies to higher education as well. Oh, in a big way. And that's a, you know, maybe a, a topic for another day, but it is it is something we need to think about. What would it mean for even our our higher ed, our Christian colleges to be distinctly Christian, not taking our cues for how we educate our young people from the government, mm-hmm. from these secular ideologies, but actually allowing scripture to inform the way that we the way that we educate all of our young people from K through higher ed right. to be followers of Jesus Christ yes. who are mature and then who do live out their Christian faith in the culture, in the community, yes. which mm. is what is actually best for our society. That's yeah. good stuff. That's good stuff. Well, my hope is that you have been edified by the conversation that we've just had as we looked at what Scripture has to say about education and compared kind of what's taken place historically and, and the debates that are raging. Our hope would be 
be that you would hear maybe a role that 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 you could take a road that you could take a, a trajectory that you could take as you begin investigating what does it look like for me as a family to to educate my child at home or or if my child is in a public setting uh, how can I monitor that more clearly more closely more accurately I hope you heard from us uh, that that's a that's a difficult task mm-hmm. uh, and that, that we need to begin looking for alternatives to public education. Uh, we, we, we stand by that here. And so want to want to encourage you again, listen to this again, uh, share this with a friend. We want to also invite you uh, to our conference, uh, September 21st through the 23rd, the G3 conference, the national conference it only happens every other year. Uh, so you'll want to be here for this one. Uh, again, doctrine of the sovereignty of God. It'll be a, a one that you won't want to miss, one that you'll want to want to take with you, not only the experiences here, but but all that we'll publish as a result of, of, of what we're doing in, in that space. So join us. Go to g3men.org uh, and uh, and get registered. Scott, you have anything you want to add? No, I just want to encourage people once again, download the app. Yes. Lots of resources <laughs> there, including our podcast uh, and resources for your children. I love to be able to hand, you know, uh, give give good video content mm. to my my children. Yeah. And, and one of those things could be G3 clips and, yeah. <laughs> and uh, things that we have in our app. So yeah. be a good resource for families. I, I just want to encourage you, uh, if you liked what you heard, to, to one, like, share, Share, subscribe, uh, share this with a friend, a neighbor, someone that you care about. In addition, we want to encourage you to donate. Uh, we're, we're creating a lot of resources, resources that we love to create for homeschool families. Uh, that, that requires an investment on your part with our ministry so that we can put together some of the best in, in products, resources, and information for you and your family. If, if you think of it, we would love for you to partner with us. Go to g3men.org forward slash give, or you can give on the app. Anything else that I missed, sir? No, I, I would just uh, provide a couple of concluding remarks just by way of exhortation sure. to those yeah. that are watching, yeah. just by a statement of, you know, as we hear this this ongoing debate raging, and it's only going to get louder mm-hmm. in the days to come, is just to remember that, you know, to, to take home education seriously will take sacrifice. That's mm-hmm. good, yeah. Sometimes yep. you're going to have to, you know, through the season of, of child rearing, you're going to have to take, you know, th- this approach of maybe driving older vehicles, mm. you know, having a single income into the home rather than two income family and all sorts of things. Um, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're, you're not going to regret that sacrifice. Um, second of all, I would just encourage those who are considering home education through COVID. There was like a spike of like yeah. 30% of families uh, committing themselves to home education. I would encourage you uh, just to, to think in terms of the vast amount of resources that are available to you. Yep. Don't be intimidated to take this step. Um, just just uh, do your research, look for opportunities for you and for your family and what works well for your family. But there's all sorts of really, really good resources available to you. Mm. And then last of all, I would just I would just encourage you to be steadfast and and refuse to capitulate uh, during this season where you're you know taking your responsibility of yeah. of discipling your children seriously. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I I would really encourage the the mothers. Oftentimes, the moms are you know staying at yes. home and yes. spending a lot of hours yes. taking the the heavy load of yeah, right. of Christian education and and home education while you know the dads are away at work. And yes, we can come alongside and help and even take leadership in our home uh, in terms of education. But uh, I, I want you to be encouraged 
when you hear of these critiques, like you're wasting your life or you're wasting your career or, you know, whatever, one of these days, by God's grace, your children will rise up and call you blessed. That's right. So that's be right. steadfast. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you for joining us for this edition of the G3 Podcast.